Lord You, Lord You, You, mm-hmm. yeah, you, yeah, You prepare. You. <laughs> Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate-gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello. How are you? I'm doing okay. How are you? I am good. I heard the cracking of a can. (laughs) You did. It's uh, a CBD seltzer. The experimental recipe that I've been helping to work on. Yes. Very neat. I like it. It's tasty. Did I, you try any yesterday? I when did. You were I tried Can't Collins, remember. and it was ah, gotcha. very tasty. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Are you drinking anything fun today? Coffee <laughs> and mm. water, because I woke up like an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> It was a late It was, night. and then I don't know. I have this thing where I get home from anywhere, and I need to like do this unwind period. And oh, I do so too. Yeah, I went absolutely. to bed at like two or something like that, and then got up and gave the cats food and shot Pepper full of insulin, and then went back to bed. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I probably would have slept in even later if Coconut wasn't being very insistent that I pet her. <laughs> She's despite the fact that I was trying yeah, to sleep. Yeah. Well, she's like no. You're... Your priorities were off, and she was setting you right. She was, yeah. It's true. Very true. I already had a lot of coffee today, but I'll probably need more coffee. But he did come purr in my face this morning while I was sleeping. (laughs) It was very cute. He's a cute boy. Cone and all. (laughs) (laughs) Poor kitty. Yeah. Yeah. I'd ask how you've been, but I saw you like 10 hours ago. Not even. Uh, I guess it's like 12 hours ago now, so... Yeah, doing so, okay. Yeah. yeah. Happy, Happy Saturday. Saturday. Thanks. It's my do-nothing day, but I realize I have to go get a prescription from Walgreens, which means that I'm like, well, if I'm going to go out, I might as well go to Petco, and yeah. then if I'm there, I should just go to Stop and Shop and get groceries, too, even though it's going to be a nightmare because it's Thanksgiving week that we're recording yeah. this. So that Stop and Shop's going to be a nightmare from now until Thursday. Yes, coffee. Yeah, I wish I had more coffee. We got a uh, we got an espresso maker that I think I might have to try to figure out. That's fun. That Jeff accidentally bought because it happened to be in his cart because we've been talking about maybe getting one, and then he bought something else, (laughs) and then Um, suddenly there's and he's like, oh shit, forgot that was still in there. All right, well I guess we're getting that too. (laughs) Whoops. Mm-hmm. I think I bought once a forty dollar espresso machine, and yeah, this was not like a crazy pricey one. <laughs> I was like, "What are you doing? You're not going to use this." That was a stupid purchase. So now yeah. it just sits in a cabinet. <laughs> We've been talking about getting one because I'm like, "Well, maybe if we had one, I wouldn't go to Starbucks as often as I do, and that would Fair. help us save money, and also disposable cups." Yeah, because I'm a monster and I always order ahead instead of just using the reusable mugs that I have. Well, it sounds like even when you order ahead, you have to wait a really long time for your coffee sometimes. That's true. I don't no. blame this, the people at that Starbucks. I blame their ordering system, which was <laughs> failing them. Those poor Aww. baristas were working very, very hard. <laughs> wah, wah. But their ordering system was being dumb yeah. and glitchy. So, Well, I hope yeah. you enjoy your, your machine. And that Thanks. it works well for you. 
Me yeah. too. And it just doesn't. I'll probably be dust. drinking some espresso at some point on a recording so I can let everyone Fantastic. know. Fantastic. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> it's a good morning. It's a lazy morning. Yeah. I like it. Semester's winding down, so I haven't really done anything. I played Animal Crossing nice. this morning. That's about it. Yeah. yeah. I got up and then read Wikipedia and watched a clip of the Amber Ruffin show and had coffee. That was my morning. Fabulous. Yeah. Fantastic. So to continue with our mornings, or technically afternoon now, <laughs> what are we talking about today? Today, today <laughs> we are talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 3, Episode, Ooh. yeah, 3, <gasps> Fair mm. Game. We start the episode in the gate room. There's a whole bunch of people there dressed all fancy in their in their dress uniforms. Hammond is at the top of the ramp, standing behind a podium. Jack, Daniel, Tilk, and Sam are also there lining the ramp next to him. And I was wondering why Sam was last and Daniel and Tilk got to be like farther up on the podium. I don't know why any of them yeah. were there except Sam and maybe Jack. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I think that Hammond was talking about how this was like a speech to honor the whole SGC and everything they've yeah. done. So that made sense to me. Then they had Arthur Sims, the Secretary of Defense, come up and speak, but it made sense to me that Daniel and Tilk would be up there with them, but why they would be standing there in the middle, like almost taking yeah. precedence over Sam or like almost to indicate that like they're higher ranking than Sam because Jack was at the head of that line, meaning like he's the right. highest ranking. So that's why oh. I thought it was weird that, that she was after them rather than Jack and then Sam and then the two civilian guys. Well, I thought the whole thing was weird where SG-1 was up there as if they're more important than all the other SG teams because this wasn't about just them. <laughs> True, but, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's because they're the flagship maybe. team and also they're the ones that were, like, specifically mentioned because they were the ones that were just being rescued. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, then it seems like, you know, we're honoring them because they had to be rescued. Yeah. I don't know. It People was strange, died for you guys. Strange arrangement. Everyone, look yeah. at them. Look at them. <laughs> Yeah, we hope you feel bad, guys. <laughs> anyway, this was not meant to be no, a downer event. This was actually meant to be a celebratory <laughs> <Sorry>. event. <laughs> so Hammond is talking about how bravely everybody fought and all their valor and courage and their sacrifices that they've made for the country and for the planet and to save each other, and particularly when most recently rescuing SG-1, who had been captured in the line of duty. And so, as I said, Arthur Sims, the Secretary of Defense, is there, and he goes up and gives a long, rambling speech that I found to be quite boring. Yeah. Apparently, they had wanted the president to be there, but of course, conveniently, the bestie Prezi could not mm. be there. What was he yeah. doing? God. It can't have been that important. Seeing Come other on. friends. <laughs> oh, <Why>? my goodness. <laughs> Cheating <Yeah>. on Hammond. <laughs> So Sims finishes his long rambling speech and Hammond takes the podium again and says that before they finish today, he's got a small bit of business and tells everyone to come to attention. We get some glimpses of Jack with a wry little smile. So it was pretty clear that he knew what was happening. But we see a look at, of Sam, who seems to be a bit confused as to what this extra business might be. But Hammond reads from a piece of paper that from the Vice Chief of Staff of the Air Force in recognition of Captain Samantha Carter's outstanding work, he is promoting her to the rank of Major from Captain. He tells her to step forward. She is, of course, surprised and thrilled. 
Some random lady comes up and hands the pins over to Jack and Hammond, who pin them on her lapels. And so now she is officially Major Dr. Samantha Dr. Carter instead of Captain Dr. Samantha Dr. Carter. Yay! Yeah. Everyone's happy. Everyone claps. Jack tells her, well done, Major. And it was adorable. Hammond turns over the podium to Jack, who's going to say a few words. And he says that normally he is a man of very few words, in fact. And then he disappears in a flash flight. <laughs> and everyone is very surprised. Hammond calls a code nine. We get a random close-up of Daniel standing there looking surprised. So I guess that's his role now, close-ups of Daniel looking surprised. <laughs> Whenever something weird happens, because they've been doing that a lot lately. <laughs> Then next, we're in an Asgard ship orbiting above the Earth, and Orn O'Neill is saying, in conclusion, I'd like to say, and that made me wonder, like, how long was he talking before he realized he was on a ship? Was he talking, like, as he was being transported up there? Or was he just literally going to say, normally I'm a man of few words, and then skip right to <laughs> and in conclusion? Like, was that it his speech? Or was there a lot more in there that he was either, like, saying to himself while he was, like, dematerialized, or was he just, like, talking into a yeah. void and not paying don't attention. Know. We don't know. We don't get answers to these questions. Anyway, we are seeing an outside view of the ship when he is saying, in conclusion, I'd like to say, and then suddenly we are inside the ship and we see him staring out the window. He has stopped talking. He realizes that he is looking down on Earth and that he is not in the gate room anymore. He starts looking around the room. It seems to be kind of a long hallway with a chair at the end and there's another flash of light and all of a sudden thor is hanging out in that chair the thor the thor he greets jack and jack's like have we met and he's like i am thor so hey it's thor again you know the god of thunder Dramatic hey. Yay. after the credits we're back on the ship thor apologizes to jack for the surprise beaming away <laughs> yeah but it's very important what he needs to talk to him about. Jack's still working his way through what just happened. Yes. He's like, we're orbiting Earth. And you know that we have these things that can see spaceships, right? And Thor's like, we've been here a lot and they've never seen us before. So we're good. And Jack's like, oh, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's very funny to me. <laughs> Thor is there to deliver a warning of sorts that the system lords are uh, very concerned about Earth again now that they've gone and killed Hathor. And Jack's like, they should be thanking Whoops. us because she was plotting against them. And Thor's like, it doesn't matter because you're showing everyone you're still a threat and they need to uh, take you out. Jack's like, that could be a problem. The Asgard agree with that. And they want to help. And Jack's like, cool. I'm so excited for all your weapons and ships. And Thor's like, actually, no, though. We don't have that sort of help to offer you. Because they're busy elsewhere in their own world, universe, galaxy? I don't know. Yeah. Galaxy. They are yeah. the same. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they are offering, though, to help with negotiations between Earth and the gold system lords so that Earth can be included in the Asgard's treaty of protected planets, thus saving Earth. 
And Jack's like, great, good, cool. cool. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Jack's like, we'd rather have a fleet, but we could try this. So Thor's going to make the arrangements. And he beams out, leaves Jack standing there like, uh, how do I get back? And then he's beamed <laughs> out of there too. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. Back on Earth in the briefing room, Hammond wants to know why the gold would agree to this negotiation. So apparently Jack's told them the whole thing that happened. Tilk says that the gold fear the Asgard, so they're probably going to be willing to do a little bit of negotiating. And Daniel says that he is assuming that the Gwauld would offer something in return because that's generally how negotiations <laughs> work. <laughs> Thank you, Daniel, for mansplaining to the general who runs the SGC how negotiating works because I'm sure he had no idea having made it as far in his career as he had, even though he himself has done negotiations on many occasions in the past that we have seen. <laughs> yeah. But whatever. Thanks, Daniel. <laughs> yeah. Turns out that if this summit fails, Thor said that it's pretty much the only option, so it can't fail because the alternative would be annihilating Earth. So yeah. that's bad. Hammond says the president wants to know how confident they are that the Asgard can be trusted. Carter points out that the Tok'ra trust them, and Earth trusts the Tok'ra. And Daniel reminds them that they helped Jack out when he had that debacle with the ancient language being downloaded into his brain. Jack reiterated that he was grateful for their help in that particular instance. But Hammond points out that they don't really know a whole lot about the politics that are out there, so how do they really know that the Asgard actually have Earth's best interest in heart? But they don't really have any other options. So as Jack is about to say something, he gets cut off anyway because Thor suddenly makes an appearance right there in the briefing room with them. Hello. Tilk and Hammond look very alarmed. Daniel, not so much. And we don't see Sam's reaction. <laughs> Hammond asks Jack if he needs to call security, but Jack's like, nah, it's fine. I'll vouch for him, as will Major <laughs> Carter and Dr. Daniel Jackson. <laughs> you remember Thor, right? We know each other. He's a friend from work. And so he introduces Thor to Tilk and Hammond, who he apparently hasn't met yet. Thor tells them that the system lords have agreed to negotiate, so that's great. And they're going to arrive on Earth in four days. That's less great. Yeah. Everyone is surprised that the system lords are going to be coming to Earth. But Thor tells them that it's customary for these kinds of negotiations to happen on the planet that is being discussed. And apparently, another surprise is that Jack himself will be representing the entire planet. Also a thing that was decided by Thor and others. <laughs> Jack is not very thrilled about that and tries to offer up Daniel as an alternative who also doesn't seem happy with with that. But Thor is like, nope, too bad. We've chosen you and that's that. We'll give you further instructions as we get closer to that day and time. And then Thor disappears. Thor out. Everyone looks so happy. <laughs> not really. No. <laughs> Later on, Daniel is briefing the team and Hammond, the defense secretary, Dr. Frazier's there. There's a bunch of people. They all got to be yeah. in on this. They need to know what they're expecting. A bunch of people. He's telling them about the Gould who are coming. And first up is Cronus. Cronus, <laughs> a Greek god, a titan. Yeah. Daniel says he's the god of fate 
and the father of Zeus, Hera, Poseidon, and Hades. And I did double check on this because I'm that way. Oh, yeah, and it's cool. that's all true. <laughs> Fun fact, though. Excellent. Cronus Uh had dethroned his own father and had learned that one of his own children would also dethrone him. So every time he had a kid, instead of using birth control, of course, he had children and then he (laughs) ate his babies. Yes, all his babies. Until Zeus was born and Mama devised a plan to hide him away and in his place gave Cronus a rock wrapped in a blanket to eat. As the baby. You know, that's very easy to confuse a baby and a rock. Over here, a pile of rocks waving at you. Here. Yeah, I'm actually a thing. I'm a being. He must be swallowing them all whole is all I can think. Because, you know, like my cats when they're eating treats, they just suck it down and don't notice when there's pills inside. Same with the dogs. (laughs) When Zeus was old enough, he made his father vomit up his siblings. Yay! (laughs) And also he dethroned his father. So that's fun. Uh, Greek mythology is fascinating yeah. and also for <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. Like the fact that Zeus and Hera are siblings, but also were a thing. Yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. Right. I was going to say they aren't they yeah. married. I didn't actually realize they yes, were siblings yes, too. She but... is one of the uh, yeah. children who was gobbled up by Cronus. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Good times. But yeah. yeah, so Daniel continues that Hades being <laughs> one of his children might be some sort of connection to Sokar. Because, you know, Sokar is. Right. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yes. We just met him. Teal'c adds that Kronos the Gold is one of the most influential system lords, and he's the one who originally banished Sokar and was a mortal enemy of Apophis. At this point, I was wondering why Teal'c wasn't the one leading this debriefing because wouldn't that make more sense daniel only knows about these people from the limited perspective of earth hundreds or thousands of years ago whereas tilk knows about these people from like now <laughs> like like current yeah. how these people are and who they are and where they are and what their dealings are like on many planets not just what their dealings on earth were like in the ancient past. So it would make way more sense to me that Teal could be leading this rather than Daniel. Maybe, maybe Teal sensed that Daniel needed some attention. It just lets him <laughs> take the lead. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Fair. He's a generous guy. Yeah. 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 Anyway, anyway. continue. <laughs> so Daniel thinks maybe that's why nobody helped Apophis because Cronus was so powerful and was an enemy of Apophis when Apophis attacked Earth. But Teal pointed out they will band together against outside enemies, but they do have a lot of infighting over their own territories, which, yeah, can work to everyone's advantage when it's working that way. <laughs> Until we go and murder one of them. We, they, the humans of Earth. Anyway, <laughs> on to you. Daniel says, you me? is the second lord. Jack's like, me? Oh. And Mary just said, me? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Daniel's like, no, you, the Gould. Uh, <laughs> Jack yeah. was disappointed at this point, and it was funny to me, too. So Daniel describes you as you the Great, one of China's earliest emperors, that he has mythical powers and sprang from the world from a dragon body. And yeah, cool. and he was the 
first ruler of the first recorded dynasty, whose advances came under harsh rule, he says. Then Daniel says he had some good qualities, <laughs> and then nothing else. <laughs> So that was yeah. that was weird. So I went I went digging for those good qualities. Oh, nice. You the great is is what yeah his the dates he ruled are unknown. There are no actual contemporary accounts. So sometimes there's question: Did he really exist? Is he just a mythical figure? But either way, he's credited with having come up with a good flood control system so that they could make use of their land better, and that was really mm, good. Yeah. And the emperor at the time that you was working on this passed on the the throne to him rather than his own children, <laughs> starting the Shia dynasty. And I don't know anything about the harsh rule because I didn't look further into the dynasty history, but you, the great, doesn't seem to have a reputation as far as I could read as being some sort of like terrible, cruel re- leader. He's, yeah. yeah, seen as sort of like an ideal leader in, yeah, so. But anyway, that's you. Nice. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> cool. Daniel thinks that you will be most likely to favor this gold treaty because his interests lie elsewhere in the galaxy, which he must have gotten that information from Teal'c, right? I don't know. Yeah. You think, yeah. How else yeah. could he have possibly gotten that? <laughs> yeah. And the third Gould they know is Nirti, who was the one who killed all the people on Cassandra's planet and turned her into a bomb, yep. trying to take out Earth already. Hmm. So they already know she's not great. She's nope. based on the Hindu goddess of darkness and is destructive. I think it was like something like sorrow and death. So yeah, that's all on track. Daniel did his homework. <laughs> it's cool. And then Teal'c did a bunch of his homework, so... <laughs> when Daniel finishes, Sam's like, uh, we're just gonna let them walk in here. Hammond is also not comfortable with this. Yes. But then he gets up to give some orders, the first of which is that Teal'c should be the gold liaison. And Teal'c objects to this, and he will not see to the petty needs of the gold. <laughs> Hammond looks at Jack, and Jack sort of shrugs with his hand, which I really just enjoyed the gesture. Yeah. He's like, don't look at me. So right. Daniel steps up and offers to see to their petty needs. I thought yeah, that was, was nice of him to, to take that on so that Tilk wouldn't yeah. have to stoop to that level. The least he could do for Tilk doing his homework for him. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> so Hammond assigns Tilk to help with base security. Their first order of business is to get rid of all the weapons in the facility because they cannot have any weapons at all around during negotiation. Jack is not fond of this idea, but Hammond's like, we are trusting the Asgard based on what you told us. So we have sealed off the base entirely. The defense secretary is going to stay and represent the president. And they're going to remove all the weapons. They are setting up a storage room, 12A, to be this negotiation room. And he tells them they've all got a folder with their assignments and let's do it. Hard cut. Yeah. 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 Quite. Suck it up, Jack. Get <laughs> out of it. Very, very true. A little bit later, they are in a storage room clearing out weapons, and they're looking at the sparkle bling that they got from Kendra on Sumeria after Kendra passed on, and Sam essentially inherited them. 
Carter hands all of them off to another soldier, except for one. He asks her about that one device. She says that it's a healing device, not a weapon. So they're going to hang on to that one hmm. just in case. I wonder if that's hmm. going to come out. Check off exactly. <laughs> out in the corridor, Jack and Hammond are talking. Hammond asks how all the debriefings are going, and Jack doesn't have any idea how exciting diplomacy could be. <laughs> Apparently, there's some sort of a commotion happening in front of them, and it turns out that Tilk is hassling a sergeant about not wanting to hand over his weapon. Jack and Hammond are basically like, you know, what's going on here? Everybody has to turn over their weapons. No weapons. And if there are weapons, then there's no summit. And if there's no summit, then there's no treaty. Tilk reiterates again how dangerous the Gualwild are that are going to be coming to visit. And he doesn't trust them. And they're treacherous. And he is not comfortable with the whole lack of weapons thing. But Jack and Hammond essentially order him to turn over his weapon. So... He does, although he is quite pissed yeah. off about it. Yeah, he is. Yes. The next scene starts with alarms blaring and a bunch yes. of men running with their weapons towards the gate room. But it, that's what I thought it looked like, too. Why yeah. are they doing that? Presumably they knew what time the gold were coming. So why are they so late right. for this? Yeah, I don't know. And when we go to the gate room, nobody in there yeah. has weapons, but that was kind of the implication when we hear yeah. an alarm and see people yeah, running with weapons. Yeah, that was, was weird. weird. Maybe that was just a mistake to leave that in. Yeah, like maybe they inserted yeah. it like out of habit and then weren't yeah. really thinking of the fact of the implications of it. Did they have weapons? Actually, no, I didn't write that down. Maybe I just, yeah. In the gate room, they did but not they have did weapons. But they did when they were running. the soldiers running around in the hallway yeah. for sure okay. did have like, weapons. I was, yeah. <laughs> I was so confused. Yeah, but it was anyway, there aren't actually any weapons in the gate room, and nobody like bursts in at the last minute. <laughs> but so Hammond is there ready in his dress uniform. Jack, Sam, and Daniel come in, also all dressed up, except Daniel, who couldn't even put on a tie. <laughs> I noticed that too. <laughs> Top yeah. button unbuttoned, come no on, tie. Man. This is formal yeah. negotiations. What are you doing? Right. Anyway, the gate opens, and then a moment passes, and someone then steps through. It is a... It's Vigo the Carpathian. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yes, that is exactly who it is. And then a woman comes through with a veil and dress. I don't know. Yeah. And then... (laughs) Lord Yu in some, I don't know, Chinese-ish looking outfits. Outfit? And he's only wearing one outfit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they all come through. That's there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Next, we see Daniel is leading Cronus into the VIP room, he says, while he dansplains what VIP means. <laughs> Cronus looks around the room, which has a bunch of torches burning, and there's some fruit and st- you know sitting around for them to eat. That seemed like a huge fire hazard yeah. to me to have these torches burning and cor- curtains hanging, like gauzy curtains on all of the walls, and they're like 28 stories down. Yeah, I don't know, but anyway, so they've <laughs> seemed yeah, ill-advised. but they've tried to make Cronus at home, I guess. But Cronus yeah, insults the accommodations. Then they hear a hagfish voice shouting, We will not stand for this. We will not stand for this, cookies. 
Cronus and Daniel <laughs> rush out of the room to find Tilk with Nirti and you. Tilk looks very cranky. Cronus calls him a shulva. Tilk says something also. It's very tense. Daniel steps in between them to talk to Tilk. Nirti lets them know the problem is that there are surveillance devices inside their quarters. And Daniel tells them they're there for your protection. Tilk says he tried to explain this, but they consider this spying. So Daniel is going to ask about removing the cameras from the room, but he's like, can we leave them in the halls though? Because that's for everybody's benefit. And they all nod in agreement. Cronus then tells Tilk, he better not show his face again, and then they all break. <laughs> Good times. Yeah. Tilk and Daniel walk down the stairs into the briefing room. They're talking about how when Tilk was first prime of Apophis, he did battle with the Jaffa of Cronus on multiple occasions. And Daniel asks why this particular case seems to be more personal to Tilk than the other Jaffa of other gold lords that he's dealt with. And then we learn that Tilk's father was actually the first prime of Cronus way back in the day. Tilk was only a kid back then. Cronus apparently commanded Tilk's father to attack a Gua'uld who was much more powerful at the time, so that was a bad idea. It was a completely impossible battle to win. A no-win situation is a possibility every commander may face. Has that never occurred to you? And so, of course, Tilk's father ended up dying, and as punishment for his father's failure, his mother and he were exiled, and so they fled to Chulak, which I guess answers my question from a few episodes ago of whether or not there are multiple Jaffa world that different Gould get their Jaffa Seems from. Seems like, so, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I thought yeah. that was interesting. So Tilk at that point vowed that he was going to become the strongest Jaffa that he could so that one day he could become the first prime of Apophis because Apophis was the sworn enemy of Cronus. Look at Tilk with those career goals. Good for him. Right? He totally... Yeah. And he yeah. all of those yeah. and then regretted yeah. it, but... <laughs> He yeah. was driven. You gotta admire Absolutely. that. Hammond comes in and asks how everything's doing, if everyone is settled. They tell him about the security camera issues. And Hammond's like, well, I assume you told them, no, they can't be removed. But Daniel tells Hammond about the compromise he made. Yeah. Hammond's like, all right, I guess that's yeah, fine. Yeah, Hammond, compromise. That's what negotiations yeah. are. Yeah. So so Hammond leaves. <laughs> yeah. That seemed like a pretty yeah. pointless scene. <laughs> Daniel asks Tilk if he's going to be okay, and Tilk says he'll be fine. In this new negotiation room that they have created, Jack is standing by some sort of, I don't know what that thing was, some sort of flag thing. I don't know. Yeah, I think it was like the flags of the different okay. okay. leaders, as well as flags from like the SGC in the United States. And- yeah. Yeah. So Sam goes over to him and wishes him luck. Jack says he's confused about why he's there. And Sam says, we all believe in you. And so does the Asgard. I couldn't do this. She then tells Jack she thinks Kronos is the one who sent the Ashrak after Jolinar. And she really hates having them there. And Jack's like, I hate having them anywhere. Then <laughs> Daniel and the gold walk in. And oops. Jack's like, oops, yes. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, that is actually what he said. <laughs> so they might have been overheard, don't know. That's not a great start. <laughs> no. 
Everyone gets seated at the uh, pentagonal table. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I wrote pentagram in my notes, but I meant pentagon. (laughs) (laughs) That's quite a different thing. (laughs) That would have been a strange choice. (laughs) Yes. Yes, it would. They all get seated. And they are waiting on, Jack says, and then Thor beams in with his own chair like a boss. Could have just walked. (laughs) He does like to make an entrance. (laughs) So they're ready to get started. Thor greets everyone, thanks them for the opportunity to do this. You says they are prepared to hear this proposal. And then the ghoul do some speaking in hagfish. And it seems cranky and tense. And Jack says, I thought we were all going to speak the same language here to Thor. And then Cronus gets up, says something grumpy. Then all of the gold get up and storm out. (laughs) That was great. Good start. Thor tells Jack he insulted them by speaking out of turn. (laughs) And that this was to be expected. You would think that Jack might have been warned about these rules before this whole thing started so that that would be because he clearly did not know that that was a thing jack's like what (laughs) they were fighting with each other and he hadn't even said anything and then thor explains the relationship between the gold is fragile and this whole thing is fragile yeah daniel comes in to ask what happened and jack says we said hello insulted each other and broke for recess Jack asks Thor why they would have allowed the gold to amass so much power in the first place. And Thor explains that they've had to ignore the situation, even though they don't like it, because they have an even worse enemy in their home galaxy. And Daniel's like, worse? And Thor (laughs) refuses to elaborate. So all they can do while they're fighting this other worse enemy is enforce the current treaty they have with the gold. Daniel's like, but what about the rogue gold, like Sokar, coming after them? And Thor says the other system lords would keep them in line to keep the peace. And that the system lords' feudal nature helps them all stay in line because one of them amassing too much power is bad for everyone. It would not be good for the Asgard either if one of them amassed all the power because they then wouldn't be able to stop them even if they had their full force. So Jack's like, you're basically bluffing them and they're too busy to notice. And Thor's like, yeah, I gotta go back to the ship. So he walks over and hands <laughs> Jack a glowy communication device and that it will work as long as the ship is in orbit and shows Jack how to use it. They thank Thor and Thor warns them the Asgard will have to make great sacrifices for this treaty and so will Earth. And he is gone. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. Good times. Yep. In the briefing room, Tilk, Sam, Hammond, and Sims are all in there. And Jack walks in. Jack is not happy that the fate of the world is in his hands. And as he says, he screwed up. Sims asked if he apologized. And Jack says, well, he tried, but nobody would see him apparently. So Daniel (laughs) typed up a formal letter. (laughs) Because, you know... You need to write a letter to all of these people, even though they are there in the same facility. Jack signed it. <laughs> Daniel can really grovel when he has to. 
And it seems, though, that he was able to kind of smooth things over with these formal letters that he wrote. Jack says that Thor made it pretty clear that they're going to have to give up something big. So Carter guesses that that will probably be hosts. And Jack says that will be unacceptable if that is what they want. But Tilk points out that they don't really have any alternative because the alternative, again, is just annihilation, which would be even worse than having to give up some hosts. Daniel comes in the room at this point and says that the gold are all ready to resume negotiations. So they go back to the fancy conference room with the not pentacle pentagram table. It is a pentagon. pentagon table. You accept the apology of the human representative. And Thor is there and says that in return for Earth's inclusion in the Protected Planets Treaty, they would allude to the gold, the passage of Nylor MacGuffin negotiation <laughs> things. No. We never really actually learn what they're talking about here. So they're just kind of working things through, basically. And we learn at this point that apparently there's already a treaty in place of some sort that says that the threat shall rest solely in the hands of the gold system lords if it is ever determined that humans on a planet have been allowed to advance to the technological point where they have become a threat. <laughs> and Jack's like, uh, what? <laughs> You would think that this is another thing that maybe he should have been made aware of. Yeah. So he asks Thor a question and he is recognized by Thor so that he is allowed to speak. And he says, are you saying that our development is limited by the system lords? You nods. And Cronus says that the treaty recognizes that the human species exists for the purpose of serving the gold as hosts and slaves. And that is apparently all <laughs> that humans are intended to do. Jack is in a bit of disbelief at learning this news. Yeah. Thor asks if the system lords accept the Asgard proposal of MacGuffin neg negotiation that they were just talking about. Nirdi and Cronus nod their assent. So you says that the system lords accept the proposal, but they do demand one additional concession. And that is that the gate be forfeited, not just the one here in the actual SGC, but also the spare gate that they're hanging oh, man, on to. they know everything. They apparently do. I bet it happens. Yeah. I bet they agree to it. End of series. <laughs> yep. Yeah. End of series, end of podcast, <laughs> end of negotiations. Later in the conference room, Jack has brought everyone up to speed on the negotiations, and they debate giving up the Stargate. Well, they don't want to, but what's the alternative? Right. Yeah. It would seem to me to make sense if the alternative was let yeah. the planet be destroyed. Yeah. Maybe maybe give up the Stargate. Yeah. So the Secretary of Defense says he recognizes the Stargate as the most important thing on Earth, and losing it would be horrible. Yeah, it seems debatable yeah. to me. <laughs> Jack says that, you know, Jack's the one who told them to trust the Asgard and they have to consider this peaceful solution to their problem. Sam's like, it's not as simple as all that. And Teal'c says there are other threats that this treaty will not protect them from. And Jack brings up the worst enemy that Thor mentioned. Sims says can you give me any reason to absolutely not accept this proposal if so i will forward your concern to president bestie who will give it very serious weight i don't think anybody had anything that 
to tell him, so they just look unhappy. Yeah. Yep, pretty much. Next, we get an external shot of Thor's ship, and I liked that you could see a little beam of light <laughs> heading towards it, yeah. which was Jack. <laughs> Inside the ship, Thor asks Jack if the people of Earth have reached their decision, and Jack's like, well, no, because I was wondering if you could tell us what to do. <laughs> Thor points out that it has to be your decision. I don't know if he meant Jack specifically or the people of Earth or both, but yeah, Jack says, I see. Or do <laughs> I? <laughs> he asks if Thor's people ever say one thing and mean another, kind of speak between the lines, if you know what I mean. Thor says, I do not. And Jack asks, do not what? Speak between the lines or understand? <laughs> Thor is, seems to be having enough of Jack at this point and asks, what you, O'Neill, think your people should do. And Jack says that he doesn't know. It's a bit much for one guy to make a call for the entire planet, which is pretty ridiculous that at this point, shouldn't they have, like, way higher ups and other national governments yeah. involved rather than just Jack? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there's no mention of any of that. No. Jack says that it seems pretty obvious that they should be giving the Stargate up or be destroyed. So, you know, should be an obvious decision. Thor says, yes, it would seem to be so. But Jack is concerned that the Gua'uld would call Thor's bluff and then attack Earth anyway, even after making that concession. And then they'd be completely screwed because they'd have given up their only means of finding any way to defend themselves or f flee the planet for that matter. Thor says, yeah, possible. <laughs> Jack is getting really frustrated at this point and is like, come on, just give me something. I won't hold you to it. A head nod. If there's any other way around this. Thor's like, well, it's your planet at stake. I believe you have it in you to make this decision. Jack's like, fine, send me back. So Thor looks down to like push some button to send Jack back. And Jack's like, wait, right there. That's a head nod, right? That's a nod. Yeah, that's gotta be a nod. And then... <laughs> And Jack's like, wait! And then Thor just beams him down anyway. <laughs> that was oh, that Jack. <laughs> yeah. It was entertaining. Back in the SGC, we're in Hammond's mm -hmm. office. Defense Secretary Sims gets off the red phone and says the president has accepted the terms of the treaty. Jack then sends Daniel to go get the hagfish. And while... Daniel's walking along to do that. An alarm blares and a medical team is called to level 25. Daniel starts running. He arrives and goes into Cronus's room. And Cronus and Teal'c are both on the ground with bloody wounds. And unconscious. Yeah. yeah. Not great. In the infirmary, Fraser says that she's got Teal'c's vitals stabilized. But he took a pretty big blow to the head. So there's some swelling. And his gold is assisting in the healing process, so hopefully there won't be any permanent brain damage, but they're not really going to know until he wakes up. Hammond asks how long that would be, and of course Fraser is like, I don't know, it depends on how long it takes him to heal. <laughs> Jack asks what's going on with Cronus, they head over to the bed where Cronus is lying, and apparently Cronus is doing way worse than Teal'c was, he's got some internal injuries, the host is dying, apparently the hagfish is also dying. And they're doing everything that they can, but they don't think he's going to make it. They're pretty sure that Cronus is going to die and could be hours, 
could be minutes. You'd think that they would have a sarcophagus to send him to, but that's never brought up. Do they so. have one? Oh, I meant the I meant the oh, uh, system right. Lords. Okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, we like the oh. Earth people don't. But you would think that they would. They may like you know maybe let the system lords take him back to some place where there is a <laughs> there, sarcophagus. Yeah. But that's not mentioned. Sam rushes in and says that she's got a security videotape that everyone is going to want to see. And then we see the video. Tilk is on the video going inside Cronus's room. Daniel <laughs> says, Nirti and you are demanding an explanation. Yeah. Jack wonders if they should tell them the truth. And Sam's like, well, we know Tilk was involved, but we're not saying he's responsible. And Daniel says he would not sacrifice in the interests of Earth over his personal vendetta. And Jack's like, what? Vendetta. That's a pretty name. Is it French? (laughs) My name's Charlotte. (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) Daniel tells them that Cronus killed Tilk's dad, which they're a little bit like, ah. They're they're a little pissed to be learning more secrets about Tilk's past. So Jack's like, why doesn't Tilk tell us these things? And why didn't you tell us, Daniel? (laughs) And Daniel's like, well, he confided in me. They're still trying to figure out what to do. Fraser says they can't lie. It might make it worse. But, you know, maybe there's something they can do to help. So Sam is ordered to find out what actually happened. I would think that maybe that thing that they could do to help would be put him in a sarcophagus. Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. In the infirmary, Nirti is extremely angry about what is happening. Apparently, they're all standing over Cronus at this point, who is still unconscious. Jack's like, well, we know it looks bad. (laughs) Hammond reminds everybody that they don't really actually know what happened. Yu says that whoever is responsible for it has to be brought before them. They're going to pay for what's happened here. Daniel says that they're trying to figure out exactly what happened, but they aren't sure who's responsible for it. Nirti threatens everybody on the planet at this point and says that the entire planet's going to pay for what happened here. And Jack's like, well, let's just hang on a second before we go dooming everybody. (laughs) Daniel says that they brought them there to see if there's anything that these other two hagfish gold can do to help Cronus. Fraser says that he's dying and you says that they can't do anything with the primitive facilities that they have access to. Daniel brings out Chekhov's sparkle bling at this point and says, well, can you use this thing here? And he hands it to Nirti. She gives it a little wave over Cronus. But Nirti says it doesn't seem to do anything for him because his injuries are way too severe. But now they finally mention <laughs> a sarcophagus. Finally. And Jack's like, well, we don't have one of those. So you says that they should prepare to leave immediately then so that they can bring him to a sarcophagus. Jack... Makes his way back to Thor's ship. Thor advises him to let them take Cronus. And Jack's like, they'll attack us, though. And Thor says, if you keep them here, they're still going to attack you. Right. (laughs) Because you're then kidnapping their people. (laughs) Like, yeah. Right. Thor also tells Jack he's been instructed to leave orbit. That's bad timing. Yeah, Jack's Jack's not happy, you know, with this total annihilation about to happen. Thor says they sympathize with the situation, but they can't interfere without beginning a larger war that they can't win right now. 
<laughs> so that sucks. Yeah. 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 Quite. Yep. Back down in the conference room, Nirti and you are demanding to be released. Otherwise, the death of Cronus will be on the heads of the SGC and Earth. But Hammond is insistent that, nope, they're not going to let anybody go anywhere. Nirti says that if they don't report back to where they came from, that their planet is going to suffer the full force of the system lord's wrath. And Hammond's like, well, regardless, still not letting you go. So that's rational. (laughs) Yeah. Yu says that they have violated every code mandated for these negotiations and that the Asgard aren't going to protect them. And Jack's like, well, you're actually wrong about something because there's one rule we haven't broken yet and then a whole bunch of people armed with guns rush into the room (laughs) and (laughs) i don't know how that seemed like a good idea to anyone but that's what happened it's their go-to just get a bunch of people with guns running through the hallways right in hammond's office sims is asking how long they have before they're attacked and jack and hammond have no idea so sims thinks that they need to have Earth prepare for this onslaught immediately. Hmm. And then the red phone rings. Weirdly. Because it's not the president unless somebody called the president to tell Hammond that Teal'c is awake. But Teal'c's awake, so they're going to go to the infirmary. Woo! Was it the red phone? I didn't even notice that it was the red phone. phone. That That is really weird. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. That is quite strange. <laughs> in the infirmary, Tilk is trying to explain everything that happened. We see that he's still pretty beaten up, so his hagfish may be helping him, but hasn't caught up yet. Tilk says that Cronus requested his presence and that he was supposed to go alone. When he arrived, Cronus apparently denied making the request and tried to leave, but before Tilk could leave, they were both attacked. Sam asks by who, but apparently it was an invisible force, and Tilk says that they couldn't see who it was. Daniel asks, so you mean like the Ritu? And they try to figure out if it was possible that maybe a Ritu could have come through the gate with one of the golds. Sam says that maybe they should break out the transphase eradication rods that were left with them and do a sweep of the base. But Tilk is pretty insistent that he did not sense the presence of a Ritu in the room, so it could not have been a Ritu. Jack says he almost wishes that he had. That would have made things a bit simpler. Tilk says that he is not aware of the Guawuld having any kind of a stealth technology like that. But Daniel reminds them that Hathor had the ability to appear and disappear. Jack's like, but she's dead, right? Please tell me she's dead. As far as they know, she's still dead. Tilk reiterates that he did not attack Kronos. It wasn't his fault. And Daniel says that they believe him, but they still need to figure out exactly what's going on. They can't just be like, all right, well, that's it. <laughs> Daniel says that they, of course, believe Teal'c, but they don't think anyone else is going to. And Jack says, certainly not those slimy, overdressed style mongers. <laughs> Sam has an idea and says that she wants to try something and then hurries out of the room. <laughs> and Jack's like, I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> Her idea is that she's going to try the healing device herself. On Cronus. I was wondering why they didn't do that in the first place. I would think that it would have made more sense to just go right to Sam when they wanted to use it the first time. I mean, time. I guess, I don't know. Maybe she was like, well, I can't make it work on demand yeah. yet, but 
apparently she's decided yeah. to try that anyway because yeah right nothing yeah. to lose so she's gonna try it she concentrates and jack's helpful here and says i hate to go all freudian <laughs> on you but the part of you that knows how to run this thing maybe doesn't want to cure Cronus because of Jolinar's death Sounds right. like Jillinar doesn't control me, okay? I'm just <laughs> saying, Jack says. So then she tries again. It does come to light. So she blings it over Cronus, who immediately breathes in. And it stops and he's awake. <laughs> that was quick. Yep. Sounds like yeah. it worked. Surprisingly yeah. so. Cronus is like, you healed me, human. <laughs> you healed me, human. Cookie. <laughs> I'm sorry. It doesn't. Not every sentence has to end with cookie. It does. Yes, it does. <laughs> Absolutely. He it recognizes does. that she spared his life to prevent their own destruction. And Jack's like, "We did not do this to you. We just saved you because we are all about this treaty." Even if they did only save him to prevent their own destruction, like, would it no. really matter? They saved you regardless. So maybe. Yeah. Just be happy yeah, you're not dead. Yeah. Cronus says yeah. the treaty is out the window now, though. Yeah. Nearty and you blame the Tauri. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Jack says that one of those two did it to him. And how about I prove which one it is? And Cronus is like, well, what do we get in return? And then I didn't write anything after that. I don't know if I accidentally deleted something. Was there more to the scene? Because that's where oh, the scene... Okay. Okay. Nope, that was it. That was the end of the I'm scene. Like, oh. So you didn't write any more because okay, there good. was no was more. Like, wow, that's like right in the middle of a conversation. Okay. Yeah. Yep. 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 It was a weird choice, okay. but <laughs> it's the yeah. choice they made. <laughs> Out in the hall, Sam is talking to Hammond, and she says that they can't prove anything, but they're pretty sure that it was Nearty who's responsible for this whole thing. Jack says that apparently Cronus doesn't know that, though, and Nearty doesn't know what else we know. And Daniel points out that that's nothing. So they're kind of just talking in circles. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. But long story short, Hammond asks what they're suggesting. And they're saying that maybe they should try bluffing with the system lords to root out the traitor. Hammond says it sounds risky. And Jack agrees. In the negotiation room, the team is standing up. You and your tea are sitting down. Jack tells them you lied to us about healing Cronus and your tea. And she's like, I totally failed by accident. I didn't want him to die. We were going to take him back through the Stargate and put him in a sarcophagus. Jack's like, maybe, maybe not. But he says, you are the only one with the technology to become invisible. And she stands up and is like, that's a lie. That's a lie, cookies. (laughs) (laughs) Jack's like, we called up the Tok'ra and we know you can do this and that you've been experimenting with phase Phase shifting. shifting. They've been experimenting with in order to battle the Ritu. You then stands up and turns to Nyrti. You didn't share this with the system lords. Cookie. Cookie. My voice is not good today for this. Uh, Mine probably will be because I was talking too much and had a good amount of alcohol last night. So you did not share this technology with the system lords. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Nearty insists they are lying, but you is full into accusing her that she's attacked Cronus and defiled this meeting with the Asgard. 
She continues to deny it, but you then says that she opposed this treaty and wanted Cronus's territory. Then he leans in to choke her, but she goes invisible, picks up a gun, and everybody ducks and she flees. They chase her and corner her. They've gotten the Ritu guns out so they can see her and make her surrender her weapon. In the meeting room, you is playing with the sleeve of his robe for I think there was reasons. a bullet hole in it. I think she took a shot at him. I think I forgot oh, to okay. mention that. <laughs> I missed that. And I was like, why are they just focusing on him playing with his robe? That's weird. <laughs> Sam and a few guards come in with Nirti as well. And Jack says to you that Cronus said that he would support the treaty and that they won't have to give up the Stargate, I guess kind of as an acknowledgement for them helping to figure out that Nerdy was being a traitor to everybody. So you nods. Then down in the gate room, the Stargate activates. Everybody is gathered around. Cronus and you are holding on to Nerdy as their prisoner. Head up the ramp to the gate. Jack and Daniel are standing at the bottom of the ramp. Cronus turns around to everybody and says that they're not going to attack Earth, but if they continue to use the Stargate, they better be warned that anyone caught by a system lord will be shown no mercy and will suffer greatly. So that sucks. And apparently nobody cares (laughs) because Chuck's just being like, well, that'll make life more interesting, I guess. (laughs) So the system lords leave. Daniel says, well, she's going to get it. Jack says, my heart bleeds. (laughs) And we get an external shot. The sun's getting real low. Of the Asgard ship leaving orbit. End of episode. Yeah. That's it. That is it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Kathy, did you like the episode? I think I did. Yes, I did. I think I enjoyed sort of the expanded sort of information about the Gould and even the Jaffa Mm -hmm. society and they're like sort of in this larger you know galactic world they live in with you know the Asgard Mm -hmm. are you know negotiating with them but they're not you know primarily concerned with the Gould they just kind of keep them at bay a little bit (laughs) and I don't know I enjoyed all of that and I think I liked the I like okay the one thing I didn't like so I liked all the mm-hmm. negotiation stuff um, because I just think that's interesting to like, well, you know, people have, they have to balance these like terrible decisions, but mm-hmm. the weight of that gets taken away because uh, Kronos gets attacked. So like, it, I feel like it could be more interesting if they actually had to make the choice to give up the Stargate or not, instead of just having yeah. that choice taken away from them. But the debate around that and then, was really interesting and I liked it and I don't know. I, I liked the episode except for that. I think I sort of would have liked to see a world in which they had to make that decision and what would have come of that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I guess I don't have a lot to say about it. <laughs> about you. Okay. I didn't dislike it, but I kind of felt the same way about this episode that I did about the last episode. It seemed like there were a lot of things that they could have expanded upon more that would have been interesting. And I remember I was checking the time at one point because I was like, I don't know how they're going to wrap this up. So this is going to be a two-parter, I guess. And I checked the time and there's only like five minutes left. And then like the episode suddenly just resolves and ends. And I was like, oh, that was super anticlimactic. (laughs) So 
kind of along the lines of what you said, it would have been nice if they had like maybe taken it in a bit of a different direction, but I just felt like they really should have expanded upon it more. And as you said, like maybe take it in that different direction or make this a two-parter or something. But I felt it was enjoyable for the most part, but then I was just disappointed that things wrapped up so quickly and um, and th- that was it. It felt like an unsatisfying ending to me. Yeah. So, so overall, I guess I would say I liked the episode itself for the most part, but I didn't like the anticlimactic ending. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Yeah. So. <laughs> so what are we watching next? Next, we will be watching Stargate SG-1 Season 3, Episode 4, Legacy. From one of the last descriptions we will get from the Netflix before Netflix Stupid terribly Netflix. takes it away. I'm sure it's not their choice or it is. I don't know. But anyway, it's leaving Netflix yeah. at the end of November 2021, which is when we're recording this. Yep. So it'll probably yeah. already be gone by the time that this episode comes out, which yeah. is frustrating. But anyway, so Netflix says this episode legacy is the SG-1 team discovers a room containing a gold corpses. After Jackson touches a tablet, he begins to hear voices and see nightmarish visions. I don't remember this at all, so let's look at the booklet. I think I remember this episode, and if it's the one I'm thinking of, I really hate Yay! it. Yay! <laughs> all right. I'm trying to read, but also be in the microphone. Okay, there we go. The booklet says, A mysterious tablet discovered on a distant planet infects anyone who touches it with a hallucinogen. The remarkable stone infects Tilk, and before long, the entire team, except Hammond. Can Hammond stop it and save SG-1 alone? Oh, so it's... Oh, this isn't at all the episode that I thought it was, then. That's a very different description, It is a very... Or was I just not paying enough attention to the first one? Well, do you want me to read that one again? (laughs) Okay. That's good. I'll hear it again when I go back and edit. (laughs) I don't know. Like, yeah, this is not ringing any bells, although it's nice to see somebody besides O'Neill featured in the booklet. Right, I'm surprised that they don't just ask, can Hammond save Jack in time? <laughs> Given their, their love of Jack. <laughs> but no, apparently they are concerned about saving all of SG-1 and everybody. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Sounds interesting. Yeah. As always, thanks for listening. Uh, completely forgot. That's enough. Things that I was gonna yeah. say. Thanks for listening. Uh, Have a nice yeah. day. Yeah, that's it. The yeah. end. Yep. As always, thanks for listening. If you haven't already subscribed, please make sure that you do so so that you can get all of our episodes as soon as they come out every Monday. They will be continuing to come out even after the show has left Netflix because we thankfully do have DVDs, (laughs) both of us. So we'll be continuing on. You can also find our shows on YouTube if you prefer that platform. Likes and five-star ratings are very much appreciated, as is word of mouth to help other people find the podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. We're at Stargatesing at both of those places. You can also check out our website, which is stargatesing.space, and get in touch with us there. And if you're feeling generous, you can check us out on patreon.com stargatesing, where you can become a patron and get access to special bonus episodes, as well as some behind-the-scenes information. And we're going to be doing a few other cool things moving forward over there as well. I'm Mary. I'm Kathy. And you've been listening to Stargatesing The End. The End. Cookie. 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 (laughs) (laughs) 
coffee. Yeah. Oh, did you just? I like your oh, name. Yeah. Okay. I only just no. I only oh. just noticed your nickname. That wasn't. Me <laughs> I thought you were getting, getting delivered coffee. coffee. Sadly, but <laughs> no, but probably I'll go try out that espresso machine right. now. <laughs> Yay. Yay.